But here to warm you up is Tim Hudak on The Morning Brief, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Nice to have you, sir. Good morning, John Moore. Okay, so I was uh, admittedly following it on Twitter yesterday, but at the Emergencies Act inquiry, the head of CSIS was asked if he had actually recommended to Justin Trudeau and Cabinet that they invoke the Emergencies Act, and he said yes. And I thought, okay, well, that actually is <laughs> makes a bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's, first of all, I think the Royal Commission is, is doing very well. It's, it's playing out like watching a, a movie unfold, and now we're getting to the major characters this week. So we saw, you know, the first of this, and I think is helpful to the government. And certainly, John, if you're sitting around the cabinet table and you're making a decision under this kind of pressure, this consequence, you're going to listen very seriously to a number of different civil servants and their opinions. Brenda Lucky, the Royal, sorry, the RCMP commissioner sort of mailed it in, unfortunately, underlying her poor performance in that job. But then the CSIS director uh, did say he had shifted his position. Well, he had opposed declaring the Emergencies Act for some time. It got to a point on February 13th, the day before it was uh, declared, where he had changed his mind given that direction. It's hard to think of other civil servants around the table you would listen to more than the group CSIS in charge of our national security. And that was backed up, I think, by a very able performance by Bill Blair, the first minister on the stand, emergency preparedness, who, you know, brings a lot of credibility. He certainly handled a lot of protests, including the G7 in his time, where he also said that basically when the border started being seized, it had crossed the line. It was time to go. Meanwhile, um, the Minister for Education for the province of Ontario providing a few details about the um, the offer, which is yet to be ratified. I don't know if there's, you know, we don't have to go figure by figure by figure, but if I understand it correctly, and maybe you have the same impression, at the very least, the union relented on the idea that they could have a contract that offered more to some workers than others, which I always thought was the right policy. It was a, a couple of things here, John. I mean, that's first of all a helpful breakthrough because QP had opposed the the two tier wage increase and obviously relented at the bargaining table. I think that Ontarians have an, an incredible sense of fairness uh, at their core, and the notion that the lowest paid workers around thirty nine thousand will get a four point two percent raise. And if you do your math in your head, you're probably looking at a one point something annually for those in the higher bracket. Major breakthrough for the government. I think Ontarians will welcome that. What's also interesting here is you very very rarely see a minister come out and say what's in the contract. They typically leave that for the union. The union puts their spin on it to sell it to the members. So this is an interesting move, and I think a helpful move by Minister Stephen Lecce. I think it also helps to communicate and reinforce with the lowest paid workers. This is a good deal for them. It may not be for those making 70, 80, 90 K, but they should vote for this deal to pass it through the line. Good communications move, and I think uh, obviously an important fundamental shift in the way contracts are negotiated when it comes to the public service. Do you tease anything of significance out of the homicide numbers, which are, are out for 2020, um, 2021, actually, I should say. So in the last year, 788 Canadians were murdered. Um, some of the detail, 184 of those homicides were linked to gang activities. The rate of Indigenous victims across the country is disproportionately high, six times higher than non-Indigenous people. And yet, not to mitigate against the sad tragedy of 788 homicides, homicides. But when you compare that to the United States, where in the same year they had almost 23,000 homicides, the city of Chicago alone had 800, then we kind of pale by comparison. 
Yeah, but I don't take much comfort in that, right? Let Chicago be Chicago, and you know, I hesitate about going on vacation there again. It's always one of our favorite cities. But I, I what does this do for me? You know, it, it, you listed some of the important, the most salient aspects of it, but it does reinforce a feeling that things are on the decline when it comes to crime. I remember being the I think sole person on one of your panels, John, that was saying that yeah, it feels like crime is actually getting worse. I think people are more uncomfortable. I thought maybe that's just me because we did have two cars stolen right out of our driveway and a lot of friends have experienced the exact same thing but there reinforces a, a feeling that gun crime is getting worse it certainly f- shows that gang crime is being worse this is the highest level of gang homicide since they started calculating this data a decade and a half ago with 25 percent of the murders being gang related reinforces me there's a lot of political mileage at the premier level or mayor tory what have you to push more on law and order get more cops on the streets and give them more tools to fight back i feel like we're in decline what do you make of a new box that is going to be put onto our tax returns here in the province of Ontario where we can ask for more information about organ donation? Um, I, anything that increases organ donation, Tim Hudak, I think is amazing. But at the same time, I, I think I signed the back of my driver's license. I filled out an online form. I filled out a paper form and mailed it in. How many times do I have to tell them they can have my freaking organs? <laughs> It's, it's, it's too much work. It, I mean, you feel terrible saying that, right? Because you're going to help somebody's life out down the line. But they've got to have an easy button. So how much does this help? Well, you can check this box off when you fill out your taxes, and then they will then mail you information uh, on uh, how to donate your organs. So any small step, I guess, will be helpful in raising the profile. But why can't there just be one easy check? If I'm getting my health card renewed, my driver's license renewed, I'll sign and hit one box. I been in that place before, John, where I've done that. I get the forms to fill out. I put them in a briefcase and say, I'll get to them later on. One single check would be a good way to do it. You'll boost the rates, and it will certainly avoid, I think, that awful proposition that your organs belong to the government, and you have to actually check out the box to keep them. Just make it easier for us to sign on in the first place. Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask you about, how you feel about what I call the negative billing option when it comes to organs, that you have to tell the government they can't have them. I know some like that. We've had bills in the legislature uh, in the past where it's presumed consent. That unless you say otherwise, the government owns your organs when you die. It reminds me of that Monty Python skit, right, where the organ collectors are coming around. The guy says, I'm not quite dead yet. And just in my heart, it sends a chill. Give me that choice. But, John, for goodness sakes, make that choice easier for us. Okay. I would imagine that there are probably some people who think that Colin Kaepernick was the worst threat to professional sport <laughs> and national loyalty that ever came along, and they would take enormous comfort in watching Iranian soccer players refuse to sing their own anthem. But what were your thoughts in watching that yesterday? You know, I, I think it was two weekends ago, my daughter Miller and I walked uh, along uh, the line of um, the human chain of uh, Iranian, Canadians, Persians, or supporters uh, who are protesting and supporting their family back home. It was a very emotional moment. Huge change. So another, another one's coming up, I believe, either this weekend or or next. I mean, God, God bless you. There's an extraordinary threat, right? They're not singing the anthem, but in an Iranian context, that is a, a, a major move in opposition to the government and the slaughter of their citizens happening today uh, when you see that a former wrestler was executed for standing up against the government a former uh, judo athlete was taken for re-education it is absolutely chilling i follow closely what's happening in, in iran i cheered him on the largest protest we've seen since the shah was overthrown in 1979 god bless him for it and these are 
real, brave individuals when all the eyes of the nation are riveted on the performance, starting with the anthem, and good for them in taking a stand. I wish them every success in the time ahead. Although there is a real push in Qatar, it would seem, to tamp down political protest. You probably saw the guy, an American journalist yesterday, he was wearing a rainbow T-shirt, and they told him he had to take it off. And, and well, man, and hopefully more will do that and then defy the authorities of FIFA, as you mentioned earlier, is the, one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet, kind of like Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom from the DC Comics. But to, my goodness, this is to, to actually put your life on the line or threats to your family, their property, you know, your freedom when you go back to your home country. We remember the defections that occurred regularly at Olympic events from the communist bloc countries. This is getting near that equivalent when you actually take a stand when your life is on the line. And God bless the soccer team for doing that. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Have a great day.